Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It For was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I actually have a comment, and it's really a good comment, and it defends me. <laughs> That's what I like about it. This person put their name on it. His name is Daniel R. Arnfield. And... uh he said, I'm editing the JBL we taped yesterday and just got to the part about the word boy. As I checked and whoever said you were saying it wrong, he was in fact wrong. Buoy and boy are both valid pronunciations. So I am vindicated. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> so with me in the studio today is my producer, Mr. Dan Arnfeld. Good afternoon, Dan. It's good to have you. I know uh, someone else called me and said that we need a mic, Dan, so that uh, so that we can hear him better. I'm going to get him interested, I think, in reading some books, and maybe we'll have him be able to uh, give some of his thoughts on things. So we'll have to see how this goes. So uh, the program that we posted for last week was a repeat featuring Melville's use of the Bible in his great American classic, Moby Dick. Now, we did that in order to give me some extra time to prepare for this new series related to the life and works of Sir Winston Churchill. So, I am finishing, <laughs> I should say this, I am happy to be finished discussing Moby Dick. Yeah, so, that, that went on forever. Uh, Mr. Grant Turgeon and I finished the Moby Dick series with the program titled Ishmael's Epilogue and Moby Dick's Highlights. So if you haven't listened to that, please listen to that. I think it's just a, it was a fun program to do. And uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of good things in there to hear. Now, for today's program, I want to introduce our new series dedicated to Sir Winston Churchill. Now, if you're a KPCG listener, you're already hearing the promo about this series. And uh, there's going to be a lot more to come with it. Now, um, the title of this new series is, is uh, Soldier, Statesman, Writer, Reader. And uh, I just want to say that this series is going to be very different from some of my earlier series uh, in this on the podcast. So instead of reading and discussing just one book, we will, dis we will be discussing at least nine books. <laughs> now, now don't gasp. Please don't gasp. Uh, I just want you to to uh, to learn about and understand the complete Winston Churchill. So, so it's really going to go more like uh, you're going to be in a classroom, and uh, I will be asking some special guests that come in to help with that. I will also give you you homework assignments and tell you how many chapters you need to read before the next podcast. So, so it's going to be very different, but I also think you're really going to enjoy it as much, and. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of reason to do it this way, a lot of good reason. Now, here are the list of books, and I just want to tell you that uh, today, after the program, we will be putting a photograph up on Just the Best Literature to show you the books. Some of them are, are really quite small. Some of them are actually, one of them is huge, but I think you're going to really enjoy it. 
So the first book we're going to read is My Early Years by Winston Churchill. Uh, the next book we're going to read is Hero of the Empire, and it's a, that's just the beginning. It says The Boer War, A Daring Escape by Candace Millard. Now, My Early Years was written by Winston Churchill. Young Titan is the next book. It's The Making of Churchill, and that's by author Michael Sheldon. If you remember back to when we did uh, 1984, Michael Sheldon is the man that wrote the the uh, biography of of uh, George Orwell, and so uh, uh, he was given permission by the the family to do that book. He's also written this this really good book called uh, Young Titan: The Making of of Churchill, and it's really about what made him a statesman. Uh, we're also going to be reading some of uh, Winston Churchill's favorite books. One of uh, his most maybe the most famous book. He loved it deeply and dearly. It was Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. And so we're going to read uh, Gone with the Wind. My wife is coming in on that that uh, segment of the series. Uh, it's always good when you're having, uh, if you really know about the characters that Gone with the Wind, it's really nice to have a female with you talking about it all. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We actually just watched the movie couple of weeks ago to get get back in tune with it also we're going to be reading the american civil war by winston churchill around the same time we'll be doing gone with the wind now th- this book uh, the american civil war is what it is it's an excerpt from uh winston churchill's series on the english-speaking peoples and what they've done is they've broken that section on the civil war into its own book and it's really it's really a, a good little book to have. You can find it on ABE Books, and it's really inexpensive. So we'll, we'll be talking about this uh, as we go through that. Also, uh, Winston Churchill, one of his favorite authors was H.G. Wells. And so I don't know how many of you out there know about H.G. Wells, but uh, I sure like to read him. And so we're going to be reading The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. And I think that's going to be another good series. And if that goes well, we might read another one by H.G. Wells. Uh, he's also written The Invisible Man, uh, which is kind of weird. But it's uh, <laughs> we want to get the young readers interested in this, by the way. we really like them to get involved with My Early Years and then Young Titan. Uh, also, The Time Machine, I think, would be fun for them. Now, we're going to be also reading uh, The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. It's a very famous book. Uh, it was one of, really, Winston Churchill's favorites, and uh, he he read it over and over again. And I think that's going to be good. It's, it's really about crime and punishment in Russia, and so, uh, you know, I think we can, it's going to help give us an insight into the crazy commies in our country right now. Then also, the next fun book we're going to read is Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. That was one of his favorites, and and that's really for our younger readers. And I'll be talking with uh, Mr. Hilliker, who is the um, principal at Imperial Academy, and I'm going to try and get uh, some young guests in to talk about that one, what their view of Treasure Island is. The last big book, probably the most important one we'll be reading, are Winston Churchill's Memoirs of the Second World War. And we're going to read the abridgment uh, of that, because he actually wrote this series with six volumes. And I don't think it's... I just don't want to have have everybody spend a lot of money on that. You can get the abridged series uh, 
again, it condenses the six volumes and, uh, it's really inexpensive. So, so that's, that's what I'm thinking, uh, right now. And again, we'll, we will have, uh, guests in to help me to, to, uh, discuss things. Certainly, uh, Mr. Grant Turgeon will be back with us and all that. So I'm really looking forward to this for this series. I've been thinking about it for actually two years anyway. Now, another big reason why I want to do this is, is today many people see no value in learning about the life of Winston Churchill. I mean, he's, he's really uh, taken some hits. I wrote this out. It said, in fact, during the Black Lives Matter, George Floyd riots in Britain in the summer of 2020, the young writers sprayed the word racist on Winston Churchill's statue in the Parliament Square. And, uh, you know, to those rioters, Winston Churchill is the enemy of the people. He's a racist. I'm not saying that Winston Churchill never had problems or we, we all have our problems. We all have our flaws. But many academics and politicians agree with these, and I call them uneducated youth. Because there's much, much that Winston Churchill did that actually has helped, you know, the whole Western world. Now, many academics and politicians agree with these uneducated youth, but why? Why do they agree with them? Well, basically, you have to understand they're the ones that taught them. <laughs> that's, that's what we're dealing with. They brainwashed these, uh, these youths. They've been brainwashed by the 21st century teachers and scholars, uh, inhabiting and controlling our failed education system. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I was raised in the 50s and 60s, and uh, we were taught to honor the queen. We were, uh, you know, informed that the British Empire was a, a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. So to me, to deface Winston S. Churchill's statue was not only an atrocity against the nearly solo statesman that stood up against Hitler's tyranny in World War II, I mean... Even if you look at the United States, we were bombed into World War II. You know, it was just, there are people in this country were protesting, we don't want to be in the war. We don't want to do this. And, uh, Hitler, you know, he was a tyrant. But I think, uh, kind of like going after his statue, it's also a massive put down of the great British Empire. And, uh, even during those riots, you know, over George Floyd and, and the outcome of that has even been different than what the news had told us. But, uh, in that same time period, statues of our founding fathers, such as George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, were either desecrated or pulled down. I mean, that was the, supposedly the summer of love and they're desecrating our history, our, our great presidents, you know, George Washington, what a great president he was. Uh, statues of American historical figures such as Christopher Columbus, Ulysses S. Grant, they were also desecrated. And, uh, to me, what was really shocking at that time is, is, uh, there was radical U.S. government leaders that supported such criminal actions like that. They wanted to pull down statues and, uh, take them down. And I think they even took one of Abraham Lincoln down in the Northeast. Now, it was, it's interesting. Around the same time, I visited my college alma mater at the University of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. And, uh, it was a beautiful campus. As a student, daily while walking to classes, I would walk past these impressive artworks. Carnegie devoted artworks to the, the campus. And uh, on my return visit, I was really disappointed that I used to walk through Shenley Park. I, I 
had an apartment up in Squirrel Hill, and I could walk right down through Shinley Park. And there was this iconic statue of Christopher Columbus that I could kind of salute every day I went to class. And when I went back, I went to look for that statue. It was totally boarded up. It was it was sealed, so no one could destroy it. So it's it's like there was art. It was, you know, uh, the University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon University were right together. We were able to go back and forth into each other's libraries, and it was really sad to see that. But the reason I really want to do this series is everybody out there has to, we have to face that our world is growing. It's growing dangerous daily. And, uh, you know, it's, it's my opinion that we actually need to think more like Winston Churchill and not despise his accomplishments. I don't want to be overly pessimistic, but there are dark clouds on the horizon. It isn't unthinkable to assume that we're heading to a worldwide nuclear war. So certainly, we should expect our current leaders to have the courage of a Churchill. And if they don't, and some of them obviously are showing that they don't, then we must. I just want to read to you what one of the senior instructors at Churchill College at the University of Cambridge wrote for The Guardian in 2020. Now, this is, uh, it's not surprising, but uh, I'm not going to give you the name of the instructor because I don't want to uh, uh, cast any dark shadows, but uh, here's what this instructor wrote. And one of the top instructors, by the way, this is at Churchill College at Cambridge. The title of the article is, Why Can't Britain Handle the Truth About Winston Churchill? This person goes on to write, Nothing, it seems, can be allowed to tarnish the national myth, as I found when hosting a Cambridge debate about his murkier side. And like I said earlier, everybody has makes their mistakes. I mean, the, Winston Churchill had his flaws, but he also had another side that was great and did a lot of great things for for Western society. Um, this person goes on to say, A baleful silence attends one of the most talked-about figures in British history. You may enthuse endlessly about Winston Churchill, single-handedly defeating Hitler, but mention his views on race or his colonial policies, and you'll be instantly drowned in ferocious and orchestrated vitriol. From my own reading of what goes on in the United States and what goes on in our government, anybody that calls a person a racist is generally a racist, too. (laughs) And I even did a little bit more research on this author, and I found out that uh, they're very disturbed when the college itself... uh, went after this person because they were having this committee inside of Churchill University or Churchill College to really study into the life of Churchill and to dig up every flaw he had, basically, is what they were doing. And uh, this person took on the university, and uh, they lost. The whole discussion thing was, was killed. It was canceled. It says, this person goes on to say, in a sea of fawningly reverential Churchill biographies, hardly any book seriously examined his documented racism. Nothing, it seems, can be allowed to complicate, let alone tarnish the national myth of a flawless hero, an idol who saved our civilization. As Boris Johnson claims, humanity is as a whole. It says that, or as David Cameron said, make an uncomfortable observation about his views on white supremacy and the likes of Piers Morgan Wask. Why do you live in this country? <laughs> so so you can see there's a lot of vitriol right there. 
you know, they just don't like them. Not everyone is content to be told to be quiet because they would be speaking German if not for Churchill. Many people want to know more about the historical figures they are, are required to admire uncritically. The Black Lives Matter protest last June, during which the word racist was sprayed in red letters on Churchill's statue in Parliament Square, were accompanied by demands for more education on race, empire, and the figures whose statues dot our landscapes. So you can see there's a kind of a bitterness there about the empire. There's a bitterness there about the leaders of the empire. And yet, so many people forget that the empire it made, made its mistakes. There were people in the empire that made their mistakes. There's no doubt about that. But when you look at the educational systems and what they brought to to all of the empire, I mean, they really did a lot of good as well. So uh, we have to see that. Again, I'm just really shocked about that. But it was interesting when I was doing the study, I found out that this person uh, who was going after the racist uh, Winston Churchill was found guilty of anti-Semitism. <laughs> so so a, a racist is a racist. And so uh, it really is, the world is, is going insane. Here's what I want to read. I want to read another uh, kind of a, this is one of the books we're going to be reading. It's, it's written by Candace Millard. And it was uh, finished in 2016, so it's, it's, not, it's pretty current. She has the book. She wrote it, The Hero of the Empire. And she, she acknowledges the greatness of, of Churchill. But here's what she said. She says, The prospect of writing about Winston Churchill, even a small part of his life, is a daunting as it is thrilling. I took courage from the fact that through the process I was never alone. Some of the greatest minds, not just in Churchill studies, but in the field of history, have gone before me, revealing Churchill in all of his brilliance, boldness, originality, and lust for life. Now, this other person was a woman, by the way. And so here's another woman writing about the same man. And she, she sees something brilliant, something bold, something original. And uh, she says, after spending years reading in every expanding library of books about Churchill, I owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to a great number of historians and writers. Although it would be impossible to list them all here, I would be remiss if I did not mention at least those who had the most profound impact on this book. My first and greatest debt is to Sir Martin Gilbert, whose death just last year was a great loss to his many friends and admirers. Gilbert was not only the most trusted and respected Churchill biographer, he was an incredibly skilled and prolific historian. And what I learned from him went far beyond the events of Churchill's life. To me, that is the right way to view Winston Churchill. And uh, I considered maybe using the Gilbert series, but it, it would be far too expensive for for everybody out there to um, to pick one up. I do have the books. I bought them all used, just one at a time. And so uh, during the series, I'll probably refer to some other things you know, by him as well. So in other words, we'll have our books the nine books, but then I'm going to be, you know, incorporating some other things in as we go. Uh, she goes on to say, Gilbert was first brought to the subject as a young Oxford graduate student by Churchill's son, Randolph, who hired him as a research assistant. Before he died at the age of 57, just five years after his father's death, Randolph had completed the first two volumes of the definitive Churchill biography that Gilbert continued. 
So if you look at, at this properly, here's a student. You know, Martin Gilbert is learning about Churchill, and he's not being taught that he's a racist. And so if you really look into that series by Martin Gilbert, it is, it is fabulous. And, of course, uh, you know, Mr. Gerald Flurry has referred to that quite a bit. We've actually used those for years to educate ourselves about, about uh, Churchill. So you see, you, you have two views, and you, you just have to be careful that you don't just uh, aren't bullied around by someone that believes that, that he's a, a racist. Let me just finish this. It says, As indebted as I am to Martin Gilbert and Randolph Churchill, my first introduction to Winston Churchill decades ago was through the work of William Manchester. I have rarely encountered a writer with the ability to describe a scene with as much dazzling detail or conjure a moment from the murky depths of history as confidently and magisterially as Manchester. His writing is absolutely irresistible even more than a decade after his death. His unforgettable three-volume series, The Last Line, which was finished with impressive skill and devotion by, by Paul Reed, continues to thrill loyal readers and attract new ones. So you can see that, uh, again, there's two sides to every coin. And uh, as I said before, the people that are calling everybody racist generally are also racist. And so uh, we don't want to um, always just be terrified by them because that's what they they really want to do is they want to just terrify everybody and, and uh, they want to change the world to the worldview they have. And unfortunately, if you really think about what they're doing, uh, they may bring so much disaster on this world that they're never going to be able to build the new world that they want. And that's really true. So, um, again, uh, I'm really looking forward to the series. I'm really looking forward to, to uh, spending time with you. And like I said, we'll have guests in. We're also going to work on Dan to maybe uh, uh, give his input on a few things. Uh, he's just sitting there. I don't want him to be bored. We need him. Uh, let me just go back through this list again for you. The first book we're going to be reading is My Early Years by Winston Churchill. And I do think... Uh, for all of you parents out there, you really need, if you have a young teenager at home, I think they ought to read this book with you. I think it would be great, very good for them to to read. It's It's got a lot of humor in it. It talks about, you know, uh, how he was put into to, uh, education. He had a governess at first, and he did not want to have to go to school, and he had to be there, and, and they were trying to teach him Greek. They were trying to teach him Latin. They were trying to teach him all these things, and he hated it all. And uh, uh, he really hated math and, you know, all of that. But he came around and then essentially had to educate himself. And he was a self-educator. And so that's pretty, pretty good. Hero of the Empire, I just read you a part of that. Um, he talks a little, in my early years, he talks a little bit about the Boer War. But uh, Candace Millard really gets into the details of the Boer War. And that's why that, that would be second. Young Titan, The Making of Churchill by Michael Sheldon. Again, uh, it's, it's just really well written. And essentially, Young Titan would be the sequel to my early years. And again, you can find all of these books on um, abebooks.com. Gone with the Wind, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it was one of his favorite books. We're going to read that one. But in conjunction with that one, then we're going to read The American Civil War by Winston Churchill.
because he loved reading and studying about the Civil War. Time Machine, it's a great one. Uh, it, the book is better than the movie, if you've seen the movie. Uh, the Brothers Karamazov, I think uh, I was I had to come in contact with it when I was in uh, in the literature English literature program, and I never finished it, so so guilt on me. So now I'll have to finish it, and then we'll we'll do Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Now we may shift the the order. This isn't any any exact order, but um, one of the ones we're really going to want to concentrate on are the memoirs of the Second World War. And uh, I think that will really get us prepared to what could be coming f- to us in the future, because he was able to sense things that no one, no one else could sense. We need leaders like that. So uh, I think this is going to be a really good series. One of the things that's that's done is uh, one of our uh, radio people uh, has made a, an introduction or a promo for each book. So. Uh, you're going to be able to be notified not only from me speaking, but also there'll be these, the promo. And uh, I think that's going to be you know really good for you. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for today's program. Now, our next program, we will begin discussing Winston Churchill's book titled My Early Life. And it's from 1874 to 1904. Now, you can buy My Early Life at Amazon.com. It's really not that expensive. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com. That will be very inexpensive. And I think you might be able also to find a copy in your local bookstore. Now, and of course, you can also check your local library. So, now that we're going to begin, please write me any comments you may have to jbl.pco.org. I know that uh, I'm probably going to get another comment because I read my trusty producer's comment. So there's going to be a war over that one. I can almost guarantee it. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. And remember today, as soon as I get back to the office, we're going to post the beautiful photographs of all the books that we're going to be reading. And, and that certainly I wanted to thank uh, Cassie Furbaugh for doing that. She's one of our photographers here. She's very artistic in the way it was done. Also, remember you can follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.